Hi folks, Wooden Boat Dan here. Just wanted to give you a heads up. The podcast you're about to listen to was recorded several years ago. So some of the phone numbers, email addresses, website, links, and time-sensitive information are no longer valid. Please keep that in mind as you listen. If you'd like to contact me, my email address is woodenboatdan at gmail.com. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Hooked on Wooden Boats, weekly podcast episode number 30. I'm your host, Dan Matson, and this is the world's very first podcast fully dedicated to celebrating the art, craft, history, and tradition of wooden boats. Thanks for joining me today, folks. Great to have you. It's been a good week in the wooden boat world again. Actually, every week's a good week. We love to share the love about wooden boats and traditional boats on this show and that's what my purpose is so glad you're enjoying it and you're with us again maybe this is your first time actually we'll see anyway today's featured segment is an interview i did with christian grier christian is a lady that has owned and now is the head steward of a 1909 wooden vessel called the MV Lotus. It's a 92-foot Edwardian vessel, Edwardian-style vessel. And uh, stick around for the interview. It's a lot of fun. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Well, this week, it is Thursday right now. I'm recording this on the day of the podcast publication. And I've been invited to attend the quarterly meeting of the Pacific Northwest Maritime Heritage Council. That's a mouthful. Wow. Anyway, it's a group of about a hundred organizations in Oregon, Washington, Idaho, and British Columbia that meet about two or three times a year to talk about furthering the cause of preserving maritime history. And I know some people... um, on the council, Les Bolton from the Grays Harbor Historical Society. I know some people there from the Center for Wooden Boats in Seattle and Jake Beatty from the Northwest Maritime Center. And I believe uh, Deborah and Marty from Three Sheets Northwest are involved also. So apparently they have about 30 to 40 folks at each of the quarterly meetings. This will be my first meeting, so I'm really looking forward to it. It's down in Portland. So my wife and I are going to leave Arlington, Washington early Saturday morning, head down there, and I'll attend the meeting from 10 to 4, and then we'll get to take a tour of a stern wheel vessel there in Portland, a historic uh, maritime museum right on the Willamette River in Portland. So I'm really looking forward to that. It should be a lot of fun. As far as me personally, I've been working on my canoe a little bit, not a ton, but I have... uh, cut all the rabbits in the half panels for my canoe. I did that before I scarfed them together. I decided it'd be easier to rabbit the uh, eight-foot half panels rather than the, or six-foot half panels rather than the full-length 12-foot panels. And I ended up uh, using, I, I had built a rabbit plane myself, and I shared pictures of that on my website, hookedonwoodenboats.com last week with episode 29 
but it just didn't work. <laughs> I was so proud of myself too for uh, for making it. I thought it would be really cool, but it just wasn't working. So I just thought, well, I'm going to bite the bullet. And I went down and bought a $17 rabbit bit at the hardware store. Got my router out and uh, routed the rabbit joints in all the panels. And that was really quick and easy. And so maybe I'll buy a real rabbit plane one of these days. But anyway, I got the rabbits cut. So my next step is to scarf the panels together. My goal is to get this rig done by Memorial Day weekend because we're going to go on a little outing with some friends at a lake house. And it sure be nice to try out the old 12-foot sassafras canoe on the lake for the first time. So we'll see. That's my goal. And it's good to have goals and to make small incremental steps. In fact, I was just listening to a podcast by Michael Hyatt. It's called This Is Your Life. And the guy is really inspirational with uh, leadership ideas and motivational ideas and how to get stuff done and how to be productive and just a real positive, upbeat guy. So if you get a chance, listen to Michael's podcast also. Well, I really like it when you connect with me. You can email me at dan at Hooked on Wooden Boats. You can go to my website, hookedonwoodenboats.com, and leave comments there that I respond to. And you can also connect with me on Twitter, Pinterest, and Facebook. Uh, If you look for Wooden Boat Dan, you'll find me there. I'm having the most fun, I think, with Pinterest. I've got some bulletin boards up there with some upcoming wooden boat events, um, boat shows, cool pictures, wooden boat places that I personally like. So if you haven't gotten on Pinterest.com yet, go for it. It's really fun. Let's see what else here. I think that's about it for introductory news items this week. I hope you're having a good week and getting out on the water in your boat. Uh, Again, please, please send me an email and tell me what you're up to in the wooden boat world. I'd love to hear from you. Anyway, I wanted to give you a little background on the interview. On February 22nd, the MV Lotus was at anchor. It was actually tied to a mooring buoy that was anchored in Port Hadlock. There was a windstorm and the chain failed between the uh, bottom um, anchor and the mooring buoy itself and the MV Lotus blew free and ran aground or blew aground and they uh, Christian got a call in the middle of the night or early evening that the boat was aground in Port Hadlock so they went over there and did a big rescue on the boat got it off and so they hauled it over and put it in dry dock in Port Townsend at the uh, Haven Boatyard and so that's where the boat was when I met Christian. Got So I got to go on the boat in dry dock and look at the repairs they were doing and interview Christian. And let's go ahead and start the interview with that introduction. Take it away, Christian. So it is March 20th, 2012, and I am sitting on the MV Lotus with Christian. Christian, you told me how to say your last name and I already forgot. Gire? Grier. Grier. Okay. Christian Grier. <laughs> and uh, so welcome to the show, Christian. Thank you very Great much. Great to have you today. We've just done a little tour of the MV Lotus. And I'm assuming MV stands for motor vessel. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, this boat was built in 1909, I believe, and Christian has a long history with it. 
So, but before we start that, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, Christian. Where did you grow up, and did your family do boating when you were young, and those kind of things? Um, my father was an Air Force pilot, so we lived everywhere for two or three years. Around all, the U.S.? Or? All around the U.S., and in okay. Germany twice, and in Spain. Wow. That was pretty fun, yeah. those trips. And um, But we spent a majority of our time up here in these islands and in Seattle. That's my mom and dad's home port. So there's lots of family and cousins. and mm-hmm. It's what brought me back to Port Townsend as an older adult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I came home. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you kind of grew up all over the place, but you did spend some time in Seattle. Oh, a Seattle lot. area, a lot mm-hmm. of time here. Yeah. We come for summers. Yeah, okay. So uh, prior to your family purchasing the Lotus, uh, did they do a lot of boating before that with wooden boats? And canoes. Things? With canoes? Uh-huh. Really? Tell me about that. Well, we have one in our shop, actually. It's a Willits canoe. That was oh. my father's. Yeah. And that was our family boat. Oh. Um, we borrowed ski boats. We didn't own a ski boat, but my dad was a tremendous water skier, um, Pacific Northwest champion for seven years. Wow. And, um, yeah, he's one of the guys who brought back the... All those um, Cypress Gardens kind of water ski stunts and tricks. Really? Yeah, because uh, he, he went uh, on a tour of duty to Florida and he yeah. saw that yeah. gig happening there. Right. And when he came home, he told all of his um, sports buddies, I saw this thing. And they make these skis out of slabs of wood with a steam box and a wooden skeg. And they, they screwed and glued their a tennis shoe to an oval of wood and then wing netted that onto the ski that they made. The skis were like eight or ten inches across. Yeah. And with a little tip that they steamed up so yeah. that it would uh, go through the water better. Mm-hmm. And that was their ski shoe. And they would just lace their tennis shoe on and hop on behind a boat. And they made it up. They really did. And that was the <laughs> Lake Washington Water Ski Club. And out of that came Don Ibsen, who is a very famous line of water skis now. Oh. And my dad was part of that. Anyway, so our, li- our family water skied. That was our thing okay. to do. Mm-hmm. And um, But we never owned a water ski boat. There were okay. plenty of them. And, but you, you guys in those did days, have a canoe. Yeah. And that was a, a cedar canoe, was it? Or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cedar, double-planked canoe yeah. made on Day Island. They're kind of famous boats now. Mm-hmm. So you grew up on the water. I did. Yeah. So then, did your family go from a canoe to a... Uh, What's the length of this boat? 92-foot boat. 92-foot boat? Exactly. Seriously? (laughs) Seriously. Okay. Uh, So tell me what happened. (laughs) um, We were, uh, I was about 11, and my family was in Seattle again for the summer, and my dad was was still flying planes up in Oregon at the time. He was commander down at Kingsley Field in Oregon, Klamath Falls. Mm Mm-hmm. But up here, my mom had a notion that she wanted to get a ferry boat and re- redo it so that they could have a, a project for when they retired and a big place for us to just to be on the water. Mm-hmm. And the ferry sounded wonderful. And in those days, there were lots of ferries being mothballed. And really? there were lots of great old boats, and there was great old waterfront. You know, yeah. not so cleaned up as it is today, Yeah. but more fun, more interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, so she was on the lookout for it, and she found Lotus. And Lotus was on Lake Wa- uh, Union, down at the north end at the Murphy Francis Marina, which is now where the uh, water police of Seattle birthed their boats. Mm. And 
It's at where Gasworks Park is, right next to it. And Lotus was there at that Murphy Francis Marina, leaning up against the pilings, uh, not doing very well in the hull. Her house was okay. Her house was fine inside. Mm-hmm. Um, but the outside was pretty tough. Her stern was compost, really compost. Um, so, But they bought her for $5,000. $5,000. In what year was this? In 1959. Uh, 1959, uh-huh. okay. Uh, maybe they found her in 59. They might have finalized it in 60, I remember the paper saying. But anyway, yeah. um, she... Oh, I was going to tell you, she was built in 09 for $5,000. Oh, you're kidding. That's the difference in money. Oh, my that goodness. 60, 50 years would make. That amazing? Yeah. So they bought her for $5,000, and they had to tow her everywhere because she didn't have an engine. That was just uh, where you saw in the galley. That was just all, um, had floorboards, hatches all over that, what is now an engine bay. They'd they'd put hatches all over it so you could walk on it. So so the engine had been taken out? Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh. And during the war, for the war effort, probably the first war, maybe the second war, must have been the second war, uh, when it finally went away because they were still motoring around in the 30s. So, um, but in that order of the way things went, there was uh, the McMickens... Oh, built the boat. They had the boat built, or they they had the boat built. Okay, thank you. That's a better way of saying it. They had the boat built. Yeah, they were pretty wealthy, but wealthy in that day didn't mean that they lived in a McMansion exactly, or they they had plenty of money to do what they wanted to do. But what they wanted to do was be on the water. They already had a forty foot sailboat that they sailed up the inside passage all the time, and and they. Fabulous photographs of their family out picnicking and hiking, and they were very earthy folks, and mm-hmm. they really enjoyed being out in the Pacific Northwest. This was their home. They long time, generationally, they'd been here a long time, mm-hmm. and um, so after they, uh, after Micken passed away, the, his son inherited it. They p- sold it. It was a very short list. I think there's. Four owners before my dad, including original McMicken, his son, oh, a fellow who only owned it for three days, and he died in a motorcycle accident, and the McMicken family got it back again. Then they sold it to a family up in Coopville, the name I can't recall right now, it's Osling, Oslings, and uh, and they sold it to my mom and dad. Okay. So my dad was the fifth owner, mm-hmm. mom and dad. Yeah. It was my mom's idea, I really should say. Really? Yeah. Okay. And... Um, so they bought it in 1960. It needed uh-huh. a lot of work. So did a lot of work. Up in Everett, we had her towed up there. Had her towed to Everett and uh-huh. put up on the ways. They would pull her up on a railway car mm-hmm. and then slide them sideways on timbers so big, big as waist high on a man. On a man. Wow. And then slide them sideways on creosote, so they would slide and stack them up there, depending on how long they thought they were going to be in the yard. Really? You know, you could bury a boat back there if they thought it was going to be there for years. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and we had shipwrights work on her, and we got to work on her, too, a little bit. It became tighter over the years. The union made it more difficult for us to work personally on our own boat. But but we did, and at least we were support. Mm-hmm. I cooked a lot of food. 
Yeah. You know. How many kids are in the family? Three. Three. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you all worked on the boat. We did. How long did it take to get it fixed? And oh, I don't even remember. You know, as a kid in those yeah. days, it, time, time was. Um, days were sweet. You know, it was lots of play. Yeah. All around the waterfront and berries to pick and new friends to meet. And yeah. It was a very nice life. And, uh, but 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 I have used that expression that we learned to work on Lotus. That ethic, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. work day, feeling of satisfaction at the end of the day, and you sit down to a nice meal, and and uh, you know you've really earned your mm -hmm. your room and board. Yeah, feel productive. And we did feel yeah. very productive. We yeah. felt much very like cool. a very like a crew. Yeah, it was very good for our family. Mm -hmm. It was really good. Yeah. So then. Uh, so what happened after that then, the ensuing years with the Lotus, and what did you guys do with the boat after you got her in the water? What did the family we, do? Actually, she was treated more like a houseboat than anything, because we still didn't have an engine. We could oh. only tow her around. Oh, really? But we kept changing moorages for whatever reasons, I don't even know. Really? We were on Lake Union, Lake Washington, Everett, Olympia, um, up in the islands, um... Camino Island. Mm, that's about all I can remember. And that, those decisions were my parents, and it wasn't my deal to question. It was just, and I was an Air Force brat. I never questioned where we landed yeah, in the summer, let alone moving all the time. We were really used to moving, yeah. So that was just normal to uh, you. Totally normal. Yeah, it was great. So uh, then, as we grew up and had our own careers and families and did those sort of things. I was the one that kept coming back to Lotus. My, my brother, in all fairness, my brother did a big stint with Lotus in his younger years. And then was he became, he got married and had children. And he moved up to Alaska for a while and all that sort of fell away for him. He never really came back to Lotus after that. He may have just had his way with it, you know. And, um, but, uh, but I was hook, line, and sinker. Always, um, maybe more connected to my dad even than the boat, yeah. or yeah. equal amounts. Yeah. My dad was always adventure, and I felt secure. But I, I knew there would always be adventure, yeah. you know. Whenever I would join up with him, yeah. And so we we ended up um, working on it together in the summers, and then uh, when you were an adult, when I was an adult, yeah. And I would come up for periods of time, but I I had a life in San Francisco, okay. and so. But in the summer, I would go join him, and I would get on a plane. I, we didn't have cell phones in those days. We had ship-to-shore radio. Mm -hmm. And I would call on the long-distance line and have an operator patch me through to my dad wherever he was mm -hmm. on the Lotus, whether he was in Olympia or Seattle or up already up in the islands. Some summers he left without me, and I would meet him further up. And um, I, had, I had such fun. I would sometimes get a ticket on a pontoon plane and land as close to him on an island as I could. Mm -hmm. And then I would tell him where I was, and I'd find a dock, and he'd come and get me. <laughs> and another time, I, I rode a bus all the way up Vancouver Island, and I, I didn't wasn't clear where my dad was on the island by the time I got there, and we talked, and he had moved a couple times. And, um, and he said, I'll be on the road uh, up to, what was it, Coquitlam, I think it was, he said. And he said, I'll be on the road, you'll see my flag. And sure enough, he had his folding deck chair and an American flag on a long stick that he stuck into the ground so that it was fluttering in the wind. And he'd bring his Reader's Digest and his lunch, and he'd sit by the side of the road, and the bus would go along, and I'd 
know that somewhere just north of Coquitlam, <laughs> my dad would have found his way to the road. Oh, and I'd awesome. get off the bus and there he'd be. And yeah. honestly, it was just, it was so much fun. And yeah. um, and we fished and uh, we, ne- we never did hunting from Lotus, though there is stories told that there was hunting from Lotus, no less. Yeah. Uh, from the decks. Ooh, I'm sorry, I will make that stop. That's okay. Ooh. Okay. Eric, hi, I mean, the pilot's amazing. So let's resume here, Christian. So uh, your dad would pick you up by the side of the road. He'd put a flag by the side of the road so you know he was there, and you'd go find him on the boat. Mm -hmm. Then you would spend several months on the boat? Well, I could... Or a few weeks? A few weeks, generally, in those days. I was, you know, I couldn't get away for too very long. But and I'd go, I'd go way up north to find him, and then often when he'd get back down to then Victoria for the Wooden Boat Festival and to Port Townsend, which he did every year, he always came back from those adventures in time to do those two wooden boat shows. And um, then I'd come back up again and I'd help him run those shows for those two places, and then we'd we'd cruise over from Victoria to do the Port Townsend one. So about every other year, we'd have our far north adventures, and on the alternate years, we'd stick around so that he could do the other boat show and obligations. He felt Lotus was a national landmark long before she became uh, a national landmark on the Register of Historic Landmarks for the United States. And he knew that she was special and that she didn't... She wasn't a, a copy of anything. She wasn't a replica. She was the real thing. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted everyone to see her. Mm-hmm. He was just so pleased, so proud of this boat. And um, he collected so much history and things like that. So it was real important to him to take her to those shows and open the doors and have people come on board. It was his mission. So we did the daffodil, and we did the first one of the year was in Olympia. And then there'd be the Tacoma Daffodil and the Seattle Boat Show over the 4th of July. What's a There's Tacoma Daffodil? That's, that's a, a daffodil. Uh, oh, uh, oh, the daffodil. Parade. Okay. It'd be a parade of boats, and the boats oh. are open at the dock yeah. as well. Okay. And Tacoma had a boat show down there on that in, that in sort of inland waterway that they have in Tacoma. Uh-huh. Um, Vancouver had a show at... at uh, Granville Island and then along the way too there we have cousins and we'd end back up at Camino Island for a family reunion kind of thing every so often we'd have a week there where the family would get together at my grandma's place which was up on Camino Island and look down over Utsalati Bay Oh yeah, and we'd pull into there and and, uh, we'd water ski around Lettuce actually she was our water ski station (laughs) she was great it was great that's awesome. So on your further north adventures, you went how far north did you go? Glacier Bay. Wow. Oh, we did that um, three times I went. My dad went twice without me. Mm-hmm. Well, what's the cruising speed of this boat, Christian? About eight and a half knots. Yeah, okay. Plenty fast. Yeah. Uh, it takes a while to get those places at that speed, but uh, it wasn't because we dawdled. My dad rarely would spend more than one night in an anchorage. Oh. We would want to stay, put in the boats, you know, linger longer. Yeah. Lol. He'd want My to dad get did on not the... know what lol meant. <laughs> <laughs> Relax? <laughs> oh, no, that's... there was no relaxing. He wanted to see what was around the next corner. Yeah. There's so much to see up there. Yeah. All the islands are 
beautiful all the way up and there's fish to catch and crab and you know rumors of a great halibut hole just you know just a few two days away or something you know we had to get there and yeah yeah so your parents originally bought the boat about 1960 and then they sold it tell me about that in um in the 70s my parents had divorced and my dad was just doing the boat by himself he remarried his wife uh, did not care about Lotus like Curtis did and uh, she wanted him to go traveling with her and you can't do that when you have a 92 foot boat it's hard to leave town so he he decided he would sell the boat and he did he sold it to a fellow named Gordon Newell who was a recognized historian in this in this area and in this time really well known fellow and he bought the Lotus and the Fiddlehead Marina in Olympia pretty much within days of each other. I don't think Gordon had a clue what he was doing. He was a romantic and he had uh, money in his pocket. Um, but uh, an indication of that might be that a few weeks after my dad left on a trip to Mexico with his new bride and his mind free, he got, uh, I sent him a, a, the front page of the Olympia newspaper, and Lotus was laying on her side, not unlike she was on February 22nd, in the Fiddlehead Marina, where Gordon had had the boat moved to a more desirable slip, which uh, happened to be over the outfall pipe for the city of Olympia, 40 inch pipe. A very low tide. Un, uh, no one paid no one took notice of put Lotus down on top of that 40 inch pipe and she rolled over on her side broke three frames and she was flooded for I'm not sure quite how long it was I don't remember three days or three tides and uh, the fire department came and after a number of people tried to get her up off of there um, they filled her outside bays in the hull uh, there's a big center bilge and then on either side of that stri- giant massive stringers that creates these long bays maybe 60-80 feet long filled those with foam solid cell foam there's still foam <laughs> that we find from time to time really? little bits of it yeah and um, uh, and that did the trick and she floated up and then he did some repairs and then he called my dad and he wanted to sell the boat back to my dad who had gotten the first right of refusal a day after he'd sold Lotus to Gordon Newell Curtis was so distraught he really was sad and he he went to Gordon then a day later and said I at least want you to give me the courtesy of a first opportunity to buy the boat back from you if you change your mind and so they wrote up an agreement called a first right of refusal and that, that's what Gordon used and my dad used to buy the Lotus back. So how long did uh, Gordon have the boat then before he sold it back maybe, to dad? Maybe four years. Four years, okay. Mm-hmm. So your dad took it back and then he sold it again. Years, many years Many years later. later. How many years 98. later? Oh, in 98. Mm-hmm. So that was 15 years later or something like that? Nearly 20. Nearly 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, he's so in, that, in that time period, though, uh, in the... 
uh, late 70s, when my dad got it back from Gordon, my dad was very clear that now his mission was he was going to go to Alaska and he was going to have these adventures. And, you know, life was getting, he was getting older and the clock was ticking. Mm-hmm. So he and my brother put that engine in, the Buddha engine that's in there now, and uh, a generator and an Onan generator, which gave us more grief than I possibly say impellers eight impellers and would stop everything you know so um but anyway that was our ticket to big water and big adventure you know no more just uh, kicking around the waterfront of the cities of puget sound we were headed for the great northwest yeah with our big diesel engine yeah. and so then it was absolutely every other year we went north as far north as we could get before we felt that we needed to come back for the Ven- Victoria show. I see. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Right. So then, uh, so then your dad sold the boat again, and then you bought it. So tell me about that. So that was in '98, and then it sold twice to a family that ran an inn up in La Conner, hmm. and uh, then they found his family's boat. Is how I remember it, and they. He decided that he would sell Lotus because he had an opportunity to buy his family's boat. That man's name I can't recall right now, and his wife. Um, and they did, and they sold it to a father-son, and they took it on, and the father-son loved it. They, The dad got married on board. The um, son was working and, and trying to... Um, trying to actually keep up with Lotus but not knowing very much about really good maintenance they didn't do it and then they hired a shipwright who started to do it and then once he started opening up the boat um, they got a little nervous because the the boat was being torn apart pretty quickly and I'm sure he meant well but it scared those folks so completely that they called me and said they'd actually tried to sell it in the condition it was and it wouldn't sell and I didn't have a first right of refusal. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did remember to call me eventually after they'd even tried to give it away and no one wanted it, her. So uh, they called and I said, well, yeah, I'll take her back. What year was that? That was, uh, I mean, the deal was they knew I couldn't pay for her. And they said, that's all right, we'll just give her back to you. It's, uh, it'll be better for the boat. And we would like to be done with her. Yeah. So I came up. I was down working in San Francisco, and I came up, and um, I met Brian in Seattle, and we walked the dock out to where she was, and it was pretty pathetic. She was a wreck, and the whole foredeck, everything from the middle of the pilot house forward was virtually gone, and um, and we were worried about her, her structural integrity and, and all of that, and, uh, and the engines weren't running at all. all. None of the engines were running. The plumbing wasn't working, water wasn't running. Uh, wow. That was boat was leaking so badly from the roof that uh, that was more of a priority than the hull. And uh, the hull has actually been pretty stellar all her life. I mean, it. I shouldn't say um, she she fixes up really well because she was built so strong to start with. Everything the planks two and three quarter inches thick. Her frames are huge. Douglas fir, Douglas fir, everything, and you know, in those days, it was clear Douglas fir. All these windowsills, when you when you see them uh, 
uh, stripped down like they are now, they're clear. Everything's yeah. clear. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was very, very, very well built. <clears throat> we have all the plans, so uh, we know we know what to do and how to do it the way they did it. And, and we always duplicate the way they did it. We, we don't try anything newfangled. Someone might make suggestions how we could shortcut this or that. But uh, we've really honored her, her plan, the plan, yeah. Leon Brinton's plan, the, the fellows mm-hmm. who designed her. So you got her back in 2004, about? Yes. Yeah. And then you set up a foundation for her? I did. When did you do that? Immediately, you October did. Okay. of 2004. So tell me about the foundation and, and uh, how people can help out there if they want to. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah. Well, we did make her a Washington State Foundation, nonprofit foundation. We've been working on her 5013C since just about that same time. But we have not finished it, and a number of people have taken it on. Um, but for whatever reason, it's been put back down again and been sitting there, and then someone else will pick it up and work on it a bit. Um, there's new, renewed energy towards that end. We would like to finish that mm-hmm. and get her to be... Because there's grant programs and things that, depending on the political climate... Uh, at the moment, yeah. they, money comes and goes, but you've got to be positioned to be there when the right. money comes. Yeah. And at this point, we're not. And we have sister ships all over the Puget Sound that have gleaned great money from, you know, from even American Express, not to mention the, uh, the historic foundations that are umbrella groups above all of us. Uh, we would like to be ready for that. Mm-hmm. And, the foundation at the moment uh, runs a website. She owns, the foundation owns Lotus. And we work at um, raising money for her through our website. There's a membership t- and events on Lotus are open only to our membership. That's how we sort of keep it, keep it um, clear that members of this foundation own the foundation mm-hmm. and support the foundation and when you're part of that, you you get to be part of the fun. Yeah. What's mm-hmm. that, what's the website address? M V for motor vessel. Yeah. Lotus dot org. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, I've never been very very good about raising money. I've had to come to admit that recently. I I thought I was making it happen, but you know, I haven't been. And so, part of my saying that is realizing that I need to reach out to people that will that can do that. I can do a lot of this other stuff. I'm pretty fearless about the rest of Lotus. The money-raising thing, I need some help on. So, interestingly enough, on this last big event that happened to her, most recent big event, uh, a number of people stepped forward who have terrific IT skills and immediately recognized that I didn't even have a way to make a donation on our website. Oh. So... (laughs) Now we have um, a, a page and instructions and a PayPal button. Nice. Which is great. Yeah. And right away, we got tremendous number of hits on our PayPal button, and I was thrilled. Cool. It's, uh, it boosts everybody's morale. Because everyone that works on Lotus is a volunteer. Mm. There's no one here that's getting paid. Wow. And the, uh, the st- we have to buy supplies uh, we've had some things donated. There have been tremendous donations over the years, and, mm-hmm. and I list those on our website. Mm-hmm. Um, but the labor is all 
labor of love. Wow, labor cool. of lotus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell me what happened over here in February 22nd. Mm. You had the boat out moored in Port Hadlock. We have a mooring there. Yeah. We have a 6,000 pound excellent mooring on the bottom, big tripod mooring that I bought a couple, three years ago and I've been paying on it. It's just about paid off, actually. I think it is paid off. Um, but she was out that mooring and um, there was a windstorm the night before, not not huge by our standards up here but it was big enough the mooring failed the mooring chain is we just found two pieces of chain no reason except two you know both ends of the chain are clean nothing in the middle so uh the only thing and i mentioned this to a fellow who actually runs a a, a mooring field in port hadlock who's and he said that, oh, he said that one of the chains failed. One of the chains corroded. Links. Yeah. I said, but, you know, that was new chain two years ago. Well, it was new. It was, it was chain we bought from a big chain company in, in Seattle, and it was... I don't remember even how that came to be. I have to find that out, actually. I have to delete this part. Um, but he said, yeah, that they'd had it happen at their mooring, and they inspect their moorings all the time. And... A chain will corrode. A, a link will corrode just unexplicably, as Brian uh, says. It was probably made on a Friday. That link, you know, <laughs> links made on Monday are really good, and Wednesdays they can be iffy. But on Friday, it's there's one foot's out the door at beer thirty, and so um, so something happened there, and it went away. So she moved off her mooring sometime in the night and ended up on the beach exactly due east of where she hangs on her mooring with 300 feet of chain, by the way, at her mooring. And she's been sitting there for four years, three years, for more than three years. At the mooring. Yes, and doing just excellent. We've checked that mooring many times. So she ended up on the beach, and I got a phone call at 6 in the morning from a fellow I know there who actually collected our skiff a couple years ago when the wind blew really hard. And took my skiff off of the dock and uh, and I picked up the phone and I said oh Claire is our is my dinghy on your beach <laughs> and he said in this wonderful accent well no actually it's your big boat <laughs> well I'll never forget those words and um, oh. so Brian and I hopped up and drove over there and uh, got made our way down to the beach and Lotus was still standing there was just enough surf to keep her upright oh really uh, and as I was walking down the beach I said it's okay We're, you're still upright good girl and uh, I n- no more got those words out than she laid right over slowly on her left side on oh, her port side oh really right when you got right then and I burst into tears and I Oh. And I actually ducked behind a building because it was blowing so hard. And uh, I didn't want anyone to see me crying, so I pulled myself together and uh, got down the beach. And, you know, in a very short order, there were 20 people on the beach. And all of them are people I know um, from the island. And um, the adventurous crew came. I'm not sure if we called some of them or did they just come. Folks from all around, from Hadlock, from the marina, from the boat school. That's who came. And uh, we were just about it. You know, she was over. People were getting ladders. They were getting um, 
tarps. They were getting lumber. They, we had plenty of lumber in the bilge. We were ready for anything. We always are. But there were, and we had, we got more pumps. And it, for 26 hours, people came and did things. They, no one showed up just to put their hand, stuff their hands in their pocket and walk around and observe. No one. They all came with their waders on, you know, I mean, with their fowlies on. They came with their work tools. They came with a tremendous amount of skill and knowledge about what to do in this situation. And certainly there was direction by Brad, myself, Brian, and Brad Kleinfelder is our shipwright. Mm. Brian Toss is my husband. He's a terrific rigger. And, uh, and uh, me. And then uh, and Susie Kleinfelder, leave us not forget, my great friend Susie. Um, and But people just needed to be told what to do. N- not how to do it, just patch that. Put the plywood up on those windows. Go get a pump. We need, we need two ladders. You know, the board would go out, and you'd hear coming up the beach. I've got a ladder. I've got a 20-foot ladder. Good. We need another. Well, I think my dad's got a ladder. You know, somebody would run off and get another ladder. It was just like that. It was really uh, a short, in one way, 26 hours, the yeah. way things moved so well. We knew that we couldn't get up the next tide. Now she's hard over. She's got water coming in because there's a, her whole port side above the guard was um, needing to be done. Hopefully this October we were going to put that wood on, which has since actually been milled up by a friend of ours who recycles old timber, mm. Jake Jacob. He has a company here in town and uh, works now for a fellow who, who warehouses all that wood. And he's got it all milled up and ready for us. So we were going to put our savings into that port side and some new paint for this haul out in October. But uh, that was the side that when she did lay over and the tide did come in, huge tides, a huge tide put her up. And a huge tide came in the next tide as well. And she was, um, water was coming in over her windows and it was pretty rough and pounding quite a bit. And the water coming in on that port side that was all punky. So then we knew we couldn't get her up on the next tide because it was a it was a good foot shorter than the tide that put her up. So we aimed for that th- third tide. And uh, on the low tide between, which happened between 10 and 1 in the morning, 10 at night, 1 in the morning, nice. we, uh, we had the tarps all cut and ready. We had 2 by 2 planks, 2 by 4 and 2 by 2 planks to make battens. And we rolled the tarps and we battened and patched the entire 80 feet of the side of the house on the port side. Just one long patch above the guard. You take a, a, a piece of five-foot tarp that's... These were like 40-foot-long tar, tarps, so we could yeah. deal with it. And you get a batten in the <coughs> top part of that five-foot thing. It you roll it up and, yeah. you, and you nail it right under the windows. And then you stretch it down tight and you put a batten right there where the boat takes a turn to make the guard come out. And then we rolled it down, and we, we secured it around the guard and underneath. So now we have, like, all these places where it's anchored, anchored, anchored. And uh, we did that the whole length of Lotus, and then we took plywood, and we boarded up her windows. And the one hole that had been made in that punky port side above the guard, we boarded that up quite well. And, and we used, uh, on, the, on the side, we could, we could get underneath on the boat, and we could see that there were no holes. There was nothing she was sitting on that was nasty on that side. And on the starboard side, though, because 
um, we could get to that side. We use sick slick seam sealer and uh, a number of other things. I can't remember even now what wall we pulled out to try and fill those gaps where the boards were coming apart on her starboard side, on her yeah. hull. Just making little gaps, but we didn't want any trouble on that side. Yeah. <laughs> there were two rocks. We knew we were going to try and pull her off by the stern, and um, because some the vessel assist people came to talk to me about that, and we saw these. They said, well, we'd like to pull her off by the stern, but these two big rocks that were about a little more than knee high, maybe thigh high, no, knee high, um, but two of them in, in large, uh, they were going to be a problem because they were going to have to rake her over those, mm. and they didn't want to do that. So... Adventurous crew had turned up about then. They're dear friends of us, ours, and we so we've sailed with Adventurous years ago. Brian and I were crew, and we just stay close to those folks. They're the best. And boat school kids came, community came, but it was it was a small group of very energetic twenty yeah. somethings, thirty somethings that called out for got a sledgehammer. Bigger sledgehammer. Who's got big sledgehammers? And sledgehammers and big crowbars came down, and they bashed those rocks to pieces. Took them right down so that Lotus would pass right over them. <laughs> it was so wow. much youthful energy, I can't tell you. Wow, Actually, I think yeah. Eric was in on it, too. Eric Olson is our engineer, and he was definitely in wailing on those rocks. Sounds intense. I'm sure it was relief, too, in a way, yeah. because there was only just so much you could do for the boat. And um, we had a short period of time, and... and Everyone needed to be doing something, so these folks took away those rocks. Yeah, so you got so that out of the way. And got that out of the way, and then uh, the t- tide came in, and uh, we caught some hours of sleep. Scott Wilson and Mandy Wilson, whose parents own the house right above where Lotus beached herself, uh, they hosted us from the minute we arrived at the beach. They said, come in, would you like some coffee? We'll make you some tea. Oh, and they wow. fed us, and they uh, gave us a place to sleep. Uh, when we could, you know, there, folks really didn't sleep, but, but but there was about two or three hours there in the middle of the night where we couldn't do much. And uh, so we slept. And then we all got up t- to make our date with Destiny, and uh, it was about 5 o'clock, and the towboats showed up. Now, we, everything's taken care of, They but they have to pull us off. And... Uh, I did wonder if they were going to be enough boat. Um, I actually called some other boats, but um, it, it, it didn't work out. So these boats came, and uh, it was Vessel Assist and Captain Jack. And um, Captain Jack sort of uh, has this, this big boat called Cascade, and then there was the Negotiator and Gabriel, which was owned by... Uh, Roger Slade, a vessel assist. Um, and they, I could hear them on the scanner because Mandy and Scott had the scanner running in their house. They're geeks. They're both IT people, and they, they love all that. And, uh, and they have a boat themselves. And they'd been holed and hung up on a rock in a very scary place in Southeast. So they were completely empathetic mm-hmm. to our situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, we... Uh, I didn't go on the boat. I'm sitting in the house with them. And Scott at one point said to me, because we were standing out on the, on the beach on the little bluff overlooking Lotus, 
and everything was getting hooked up, and she was lit with halogen lights, and uh, and he he said, "There's going to be a lot of noise, you know, when she comes up. It's going to sound kind of scary." I said, "Yeah, I suppose it will." He said, "Are you sure you want to watch?" <laughs> I said, "No, you're right. I don't." And I turned on my heel and I walked back in the house and I went to the far corner, not far corner, but, you know, about 20 feet back into the house in a little room. And I sat down and I actually sat in lotus position and uh, and I just um, thought about her and I could hear everything that was going on because the scanner was on. And I just was doing my own little work with her and the heavens and... Um, trying not to ask for too much but couldn't we just have this one thing <laughs> mm-hmm. to work out because if because not for me but because lotus is so strong and so worthy and this is so unfair this boat is you know mm-hmm. she's 103 years old and she's not on her last leg mm-hmm. she's incredibly well we have done such a good job these last what seven years yeah. she's in such good condition and we've had to prove that over and over again Surveys, letters, show people, to haul her up, make mm-hmm. sure people can see her. This is not a, a this is not a Hulk. She's not a has been girl. Right. She's great. And so there's an amazing patch of uh, piece of sound work on the website right now mm-hmm. on the article that Scott wrote for Three Sheets oh, okay. Northwest. Yeah. And there's a link right in the middle of our homepage that okay. says click on this with film. And sound. Oh, nice. And pictures. Of pulling it off. Everything. Oh, yeah. very cool. Of what it looked like in the morning when he first got up with his cup of coffee, and there she is laying in the dark on his beach, and wow. she's uh, quite the presence. And then the sun came up, and it was a beautiful day, although it was wildly windy and big seas. But anyway, so here we are. And, you know, they pulled from the stern, and it didn't work. They pulled from the side, and it didn't work. And you could hear them say, you know, kind of, and we're running out of time. We've only got a window at the very top of a very steep tide. When you look at the tide chart for that day, it's like looking at your thumb. I mean, Mm -hmm. the tide went up, Mm -hmm. and it went right back down again. So we had maybe 20, 30 minutes at the top of the tide. That was it. The next high tide was going to be March 10th. We're February 22nd at this point. And um, so... And then they moved all the uh, rigging that Brian made, the the rigging uh, slings that he made out of Spectra. Mm -hmm. And uh, he moved them all to the bollards in the front of the boat, to the big winch that sits here on the Mm -hmm. front foredeck. And I'll tell you, we rebuilt that deck in 07. Rebuilt it hugely underneath with a new breast hook and new timbers, and it is Helferstown. And Brad put in new bulwarks on it, and Oh, it's it's so incredibly strong, and we always thought it was strong, but man, did it prove it that day! And they put her on, they put the slings on her there, and the tow ropes there, and they all pulled on the bow. Now she's in the sand on her bow. She's stuck hard on a con- on a uh, uh, granite shield beach on the stern, mm-hmm. and um, buried. Her bow's buried in the sand, but. The, the soundtrack will attest to this that it's uh, they pulled and pulled you know on three one two three and their engines would roar and what'd we get I didn't feel anything said someone on the boat Brian because he was my spokesman okay one two three because they're not losing any time broom 
What'd we get? Think we got maybe an inch? Okay, th- on three. Vroom, again. Go, What'd we get? I, I think I, I know I felt something. Do it again. Again. She's moving. She's moving. Do it again. She's moving. And everyone is just hooting. And Lotus came right up and oh. off. And in, uh, you know... 30 seconds she was, was she was up and off and floating, floating and, and and moving towards the tow boats and they put her on the hip and she wasn't even uh, gushing water she was the pumps were keeping up just fine and oh, and wow. my friend Susie is on board and she must have had my number already pre-dialed because the minute she started to move and and everyone started hooping because I could hear the hooping even over the scanner I could hear hooping from the boat and I just standing up and I picked up my cell phone it rang and it's Susie and she said so we're on our way to Port Townsend oh nice oh I gotta tell you oh man that's an awesome story Christian amazing yeah very cool very cool. I was dancing and yeah, jumping from one foot to the other. <laughs> yeah, so now you've got her dry dock for some repair. Yes, and for uh, mostly corking. Her mostly hull cork. is fine. There's no damage yeah. to her hull at all. Yeah, and just the, tighten her up and yeah, and this really cosmetic. sweet surprise is you know West Marine donated paint to us in 2004. We bought it ourselves in 07, and uh, uh, we actually asked them for another donation this year to make it an every other year event. So they know that we're pulling our own weight, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's still bottom paint that we're now scraping off to to make for new, but there was the bottom paint was still on well. That is a really great product, yeah. West Marine's best wow. bottom paint. Very cool. It was great, and yeah. so she was well protected all those years, and uh, uh, you know, well protected, well taken care of, well loved, and yeah, and it's that crew. You know, it's the Lotus crew that has gotten her through all these years mm-hmm. and made her ready to face this yeah. this obstacle and uh, and then came and got her off. Very cool. Very cool. So uh, so we've got your website address, mvlotus.org. Uh, and so what's, if somebody wanted to contact you, would it be through the website it's or an email there. address? Or uh, you want to give us your email address? Sure. Too? Christian, that's my name. Yeah. At com. I don't have an MV okay. Lotus site an email it all comes to me so it's Brian B-R-I-O-N T-O-S-S dot com okay. Christian, Christian being my name at yeah. Brian Toss okay very cool okay well thanks for joining me today any uh, parting words for our listeners today Christian oh well do come see the website come to see how um, uh, Lotus looked uh, there's a beautiful article on there American Bungalow magazine and lots of photographs and another great story uh, and you can see some interior shots on the website as well she's a beautiful beautiful boat come see her in person of course come see us anytime we'll we'll have a schedule of places we're going to be and come visit our PayPal button <laughs> yeah okay very good well thanks Christian Thank appreciate you so it much. okay bye-bye Thanks so much, Christian, for doing that interview. It was really fun to come meet you and go on board the boat. And actually, I'd met you before because you're Brian Toss's wife. And when I interviewed Brian, I met you at the shop there, uh, at the rigging shop there in uh, Port Hudson, Point Hudson. So thanks again for doing the interview. Folks, if you're listening, please go to the website and check it out, mvlotus.org. There's a place to donate there to the foundation to help this historic boat uh, keep going and doing well. We'd really appreciate it if you did that.
Well, thanks for tuning in. We're going to wrap it up now. Uh, please come again next week. We're having an interview with Wayne Cimenti. And uh, Wayne's a tall ship guy and has done a lot of cool stuff over the years. And he's heading up the community boat building program in Port Hadlock now at the Northwest School for Wooden Boat Building. So tune in for that interview next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. And also please connect with me, Dan, at HookedOnWoodenBoats.com or Facebook, Pinterest, and Twitter at WoodenBoatDan. If you look me up, uh, I'll be there. Well, I won't be there physically, but you know what I mean. Have a great week, folks. Uh, we'll talk again next week. This is Wooden Boat Dan. Keep the sunny side up and the barnacled side down. And have a great week. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.